Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. People are anointed to receive, and together faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. This month, I would be looking at what we call wisdom for living. Okay, so I know I've done a whole lot of wisdom for living, so I'll start categorizing them in such a way that it will be easy for you to follow up the series, so we'll start afresh again. So we're calling this wisdom for living 1.0, okay? And um, each Sunday, we're going to have a specific topic that we're going to deal with under the wisdom for living. Now, the reason I teach wisdom for living is that I, having, having grown up, of course, as you know, in a pastor's home and having pastored for a couple of years, I realize that sometimes what makes believers not to function to the fullness of their capacity is basic wisdom principles that they neglect or do not pay attention to. And so I try by the Spirit of God to extract those from scriptures and share. Now, normally I do wisdom for living the January of every month, but, uh, of every year, but I felt strongly to go this way um, this month. Whilst I was in um, Ghana, Few, few weeks back I, I spoke along in the conference I was I spoke along um, a guest Dr. Albert Okran and uh, he read a passage of scripture I read it many times before but then he read a passage of scripture he taught for the first two days of the conference and it, it really really impacted me that's when I decided I was going to study further and teach around it he read about Met- Methuselah so this morning we're looking at Methuselah, making your life count. Let's go to Genesis. How many of you know Methuselah? How many of you have heard the name Methuselah? Let me see your hands. You've heard that name once in your life. All right. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 25. Let's start reading from verse 20, 22. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. And he had other sons and daughters. Enoch walked with God. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. So we know that Enoch was the father of Methuselah. And something was said about Enoch. The Bible says Enoch walked with God for this number of years. That was his testimony. Then we come to the life of our brother. Verse 25. Methuselah lived 187 years old. And after 187 years old, Methuselah decided to to have a baby. What an amazing man. And he became the father of Lamech. 
Then, Methuselah lived 782 years after he became the father of Lamech, and he had other sons and daughters. So, all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Lamech lived 182 years and became the father of a son. Now, he called his name Noah. Saying, this one will give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands, arising from the ground which the Lord is caused. So, as we read Genesis chapter 5, the Bible gives us the biography, the genealogy, the descendants of Adam. Sandwiched between Enoch and Noah is Methuselah, who lived the longest, who lived the longest. 969 years who live the longest interestingly Methuselah's name comes up two other times in the scriptures and it just comes up again as a name it was the son of this First um, Chronicles chapter 1 verse 1 give the descendants of Methuselah nothing written about him Luke chapter 3 verse 37 to 38 they give him as part of the descendants of Adam, everywhere Methuselah's name showed up, it just showed up that he was the son of somebody or he was the father of somebody. And that was all. This man lived 969 years and his life can be summarized that he was born, he married, he had sons, he had daughters, and he died. For 969 years. That was it. That was just it. Just give birth to him. He married. He had sons. He had daughters. And he died. That was life for Methuselah. Unfortunately, when we read the life of Methuselah today, we see, oh wow, this man. But when we look at our lives today, not many people are living differently from this. What is, what is the biggest thing about life? Let me just have some little money and just get married and have children and that's all. Many people are not living for something bigger than themselves. Many people live very selfish lives. Just concerned about their family. The gift of God for them is just for me. Let me have a a good home, good children, and die. And that's all. How can a man live 969 years? And all that was written about his life was that he had sons and daughters and then he died. Nothing else. Methuselah's life can be summarized in five words. He was born, he lived, he got married, he had sons, had daughters, he died. Not too different from Solomon Grundy. He was born on Monday and then was buried on Friday. Now that you're married, now that you have children, 
What's the next thing you're waiting for? Death. And that's all. So is that all there is to life? Is that all there is to life? Is that what defines you? That you were born and miss the, the problems in this world and miss the potentials that God is putting in you. Is that everything about your life? Just having a good life, having children, and then wait till the day you die and then you have lived. Methuselah had a long life, but it was not impactful. Nothing about him. Even Enoch, the Bible says he walked with God. Something was written about Enoch. Something was written about Noah. Look at what the Bible says about Noah. It says, when they gave birth to Noah, he said, this one will give us rest from our walk and from the toil of our hands, arising from the ground which the Lord has caused. And by Noah, God built an ark and preached the message of righteousness. For 120 years, God, Noah was partnering with God to build an ark to save the world. He lived for something bigger than himself. I want to challenge us as children of God. We should live for something bigger than ourselves. We should just live from this subsistence way of living that's so concerned. Just let me, let me. You know, just get married and just settle down and just have children and then I wait till I die. And that circle will just continue. There is more to our lives. There is more to your life than just giving your children a good life. There's more. There is more. Let's not be like Methuselah. What will be the summary of your life? How would they summarize your life? If someone was to write your biography, would it be that, oh, Mr. XYZ, he lived, he got married, he had children, and then he died. And that was all. You know, I was, I was you know, most times, uh, I preached the message to my wife <laughs> before I preached. So yesterday night as I was preaching, I was, I was, I was telling her, and, and she was telling me, you know, what about if you did this? What about if you did this? So I just asked her a simple question. Do you want to make Methuselah do more things that was written about him in the Bible? Because she could She said, eh, maybe the Bible did not record it. I said, because he didn't do anything. And she said, okay, what about if she impacted the children? I said, no. If, she impact, if he impacted the children, the Bible would have written about it. Because... In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, the Bible tells us about Eunice. Tells us about Lois. It says the faith that was in your grandmother Eunice and is in Lois and is now in you. That genuine faith. The Bible had nothing to write about Methuselah. Even Enoch, they didn't write what he had. They didn't write what he built. They didn't write what he owned. But they said he walked with God. There was something about his walk with God. He walked with God to such an extent that he could not die. He showed us immortality even before Jesus came. So this is not about owning properties. This is not about having something. This is about living a quality of life that sends a message to generations that will come. Even if it's just your faithfulness to God. May that be 
written against your name when you die. I, 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 I told my wife, and I, I say it all the time, I believe that people actually lie when people die. Yeah. Yeah, people lie a lot. She come and say something about, ah, 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 mama was too good. Lies everywhere. Yeah, people lie. Have you ever heard, gone to a funeral meeting where people say, this man was wicked? I, let me say the truth. Have you heard that? People lie a lot. Don't believe those things people say when they die. I'm telling you the truth. Human beings lie a lot. Because it's normal. Our culture even tells us, don't speak ill of the dead. You don't look for people who are close to you. Say, go and say something. And that man would have lived one of the most selfish life ever. You just look for someone, one person, to say nice things. We're talking about God's record for you. We're not talking about man's record. What does God record against your life? Gradually, our society makes us to be selfish. Because the picture, and I'll show you from scripture, the picture of what we call retirement and financial freedom is what the scripture says. It's a foolish life. A man made all the money in Luke chapter 12 and said, I will expand my bands. I will say to my soul, my soul, rest and eat. And God says, tonight you fool, your soul will be required from you. That's our ideal picture of financial freedom where we'll do nothing. Hmm? You know, our ideal picture of financial freedom, we'll walk to the place, oh, just sit down, cross our leg, drinking wine, be reading newspaper. Yes, I'm now financially free. Was Adam cursed in the garden when God gave him an assignment? No. Because your assignment and your purpose on earth is always a constant expression of the trust that God has in you. You don't retire from it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because this thing that the world is painting to us about financial freedom and retirement is making us see work as a curse. And we're doing everything we can, hustling all we can to just have this money and just stop working and just relax and build a big house and go on vacation and ride cruise ship and be sick, be sipping lemonade, jacuzzi baths, pumping Instagram picture. What God cannot do does not exist. That's a picture of our life. And meanwhile, God brought you here on earth because he trusted you would do something for him. Let's not forget that we will be accountable to God on the day of judgment. For the believer, the day of judgment for you is not so much as your sin, as, as much more as what God has created you for. Look at this. Is there a purpose you are pursuing? Is there a cause you are after? Or is your story a reputation of Methuselah? Only that your years are shorter. Enoch was recorded that he walked with God. His walk with God was an example. Is your prayer life an example? Can you impact people by the way you pray? There was a man by the name of John praying Hyde. His name was John Hyde. He prayed so much, they added praying to his name. 
John praying hide. His lifestyle of prayer was impactful. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, interesting story. Even if you decide that all God wants you to do is to look after your family, it's not just about giving them a great education. Give them something spiritual. He says, for I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that it's in you as well. Because of how these parents invested in this boy, Paul could raise Timothy, and he became the pastor of the Ephesus church at a very tender age. He was so tender in age that Paul had to tell him, let no one despise your youth. What are you investing in your children? Are you just investing in toys? Are you just investing in gadgets? Are you just investing in exposure? Or you're putting substance in them that the substance you're putting in your children is enough for God to use them to change the world. We all complain about the world today, but nobody's going to come change our world for us. We are the ones to change the world. I want to stir desire in your heart this morning to live beyond yourself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Live beyond your immediate self, your immediate family. Or lift up your eyes and see a higher vision of something God can do with your life. This competition amongst ourselves, who has the biggest car, who has the biggest house, who has hammered the most, who has, who has arrived, who has blown. Let the competition stop. There is a purpose for your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of us, even as single people, the pressure to get married, you better stop it. Because some of us, it, it's almost like we're in a hurry. When we see wedding gowns, we start crying. Because we have almost made it a destination. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Marriage is beautiful. Marriage is good. But you ask yourself, after you are married, what next? What next? I'm talking about living an impactful life. Go with me to Acts chapter 13 and verse 36. Acts 13, 36. This scripture always inspires me. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. What is different about Methuselah and David? The Bible says, David served the purpose of God in his own generation. David served the purpose of God in his own generation. The first thing you must realize is that there is a purpose. There is a purpose for your life. Now, that purpose for your life is not just about your life. It's about you fitting into the purpose of God. There is a purpose that God has for the earth. And you are part of that purpose. You are part of that purpose. Three things we realize from that place is that God has a purpose for every generation. 
So three things I want us to look at. We're looking at purpose. We're looking at potential. And we're looking at period. Purpose. The original intention of God for your life. The, the, the purpose answers the question, who am I and why am I here? You must answer that question. Who am I and why am I on earth? For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep. He died only after he had served the purpose of God for his generation. There is a God purpose for this generation. Let me show you something in the book of Isaiah, chapter 46. Let me see if I can find that. Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah 46. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to verse 10. Isaiah 46, verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things which have not been done. Look at that. Saying, my purpose, God is speaking, will be established. And I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Verse 11. Calling a bed of prayer from the east. The man of my purpose from a far country. Truly, I have spoken. Truly, I will bring you to pass. I have planned it. Surely, I will do it. What is God telling us? He says, listen... I have a purpose in verse 10. It says, I've got a purpose. My will will be accomplished. My pleasure will be accomplished. But who is going to do this? I will call a man from the east. I will call the bed of prey from the east. So that that man of my purpose will come and get it done. Saints, listen very carefully to what I have to say to you this morning. There is nothing God wants done on earth that he can do without a man. Nothing. Nothing. Listen. God cannot do anything on the earth without using what? A man. He has determined in his counsel that anything he wants to do, he would have to use a man. If God wants to change this nation, he would use a man. If God wants to change this community, he would use a man. If God wants to change this church, he will use a man. If men do not make themselves available to the purposes of God, the purposes of God are thwarted. They are stopped. They are paused. That's why when Saul misbehaved, what did God tell uh, Samuel? He says, don't cry over Saul anymore. He says, I've rejected him and I've chosen for myself David. And he had to go and anoint David. So his purpose can be accomplished. Even in the redemption, even in the redemption of humanity, Jesus had to come as a man to get it done. What is God depending on you for? That because of your, your, your you know, just self-imposed limitations, you've not been able to look up. What is God counting on you for? Because Almost everything about us now is how much money we can make. Everything is defined in naira and kobo and in dollars and pounds. That's how everything is defined. God has a purpose. And God wants you to serve that purpose in your generation. You cannot serve it in another generation. You have a time frame to the assignment of God in your life. That's why if you can discover this as a young person and pour yourself early into it, it will help you. Pour yourself into the purpose of God for your life. 
There is a time period. You don't have all the time in the world. Jesus says, I must walk the works of him who sent me while it is day. For the night cometh where no man can walk. There are certain times in your life you will not be able to do the things that God wants you to do. There is a time frame to it. There is a time frame to it. Praise God. Come on, are you still here? There is a time you can do certain things. There are certain times that your spirit might be willing, but your body will be weak. Hmm? Have you seen people who say, let me, just, let me just give back to my children. I will return to school. Have they returned? I'm asking you, have they returned? By the time three children feast on your milk, huh? wake up 2 a.m., one is crying by 2, one is crying by 4, one is crying by 6. Now say, let's go back to school. Say, it's not by school. These children are my school. I mean, you, you won't go back. It's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, this is not to judge anyone, but ask people who got pregnant, probably in secondary school or something, and watch the trajectory of their life. God has forgiven you your, your sins, but you will pay the boy's school fees. The forgiveness of sin does not mean that you will not train that child. It's the consequence of your choice. Nobody judges you. You will go to heaven, but you will train that child. There is a time for everything. You have a window of opportunity to do certain things. And we must be conscious of that. We must not be sucked into this selfish thing being paraded out there in the world. That everything is about you. Everything is not about you. There is a God in heaven who sent you here for an assignment. And you need to pay attention to that. Not just an assignment of preaching. But even an assignment of changing society. An assignment of impacting business. Living far bigger and beyond yourself. There's a time. You know, when you're single, and we say read books, study, read, say, I don't have time. <laughs> Try and become a parent. We've seen some mothers reading. Hmm? Book, they have a book in one hand, they have a child in one hand, they are bouncing. <laughs> trying to make the child keep quiet trying to read and before you know they are sleeping you now have to rescue the child from them because the child is sleeping they are sleeping the book is falling because that season of your life has moved to another phase where most of your time is now consumed by looking after your children are you hearing what I'm saying? So, at that time, it might not be convenient for you to do certain things. Now, if you want to do certain things, you might even have to probably leave your children in the care of someone so you can get certain things done. Because, you see, life will not give you everything you desire. You would have to sacrifice some things. So, you have to determine very early in your life what are the things you want to sacrifice to get certain things done. Praise God. God always has a purpose. Psalm 33, verse 11. I want to challenge you this morning to live for a bigger cause. 
The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Remember what we read about David? He served the purpose of God for what? His generation. In your generation, there is the purpose of God. The purpose of God for the generation before us is not the purpose of God for our own generation. So everybody would have to pay the price for their generation. For their generation. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. I want you to be conscious of this. That there is something in this earth that God is placing on your life. There is a demand. There is a purpose. There is a plan. It will not be God's purpose for me. It will be different for you. But there is a plan. Don't settle for society's definition of success. Settle for God's definition of success. What is God's definition of success? Fulfilling His plan and His purpose for your life. You have your purpose. God's original intention for creating you. Then you have your potential. What is your potential? Untapped ability. Untapped talents that you have not used. Unused ability. What can you do that you have not done? What can you do that you have not done? What can you do that you have not done? Why are you allowing your potentials to lie dormant? All the abilities God has given to you. Why are you allowing them to go dormant? Your potential. Why? Why are you burying your talents? Some of us bury our talents because we are scattered. Pursuing 20 things at the same time. You're never a master of anything. You haven't gained mastery in anything. 1999, you pursued this. 2020, you pursued this. 2021, you're you everywhere. Everywhere. Let me tell you, you know, and that's why I can't tell ministers of the gospel. Why, the reason many ministers don't want to go through the, the ministry or get into the call of the Lord. Well, if the Lord calls them into full time ministry, is that they don't want to suffer. And I told my friends many years ago, right now, that, that, that instruction is making a meaning. Because said, bear, bear your yoke hmm? when you're young. The days of your youth, bear your yoke. See, in anything you want to do in this life, there is suffering. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you want to build business, there is a period you must suffer for that business to take root. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? That's the truth. If you start a business right now, there are days you must not take anything from that business so that that business will be established. So you have to just choose when you want to suffer. It is part of the criteria. And I told them, let's answer this call early so that before we bring children into this world, we would have paid a suffering price. They thought I was joking. Now the Lord is calling them into full-time ministry. They are earning hundreds and thousands of naira. How to stop that monthly allowance now? To answer the call is a problem. Because that period, you cannot skip that class. I think my wife was sharing with the sanctuary cleaners. When I got into ministry, there was no salary. No, I mean, not salary. Nobody was promising monthly salary. 
My wife was teaching then, 2008. She was paid 4,500 naira. In fact, the day they increased her salary to 7,005, we, we danced. Yeah. Yeah. There were days we would have only food for the baby, for the child, for, for only carries. We would, we would go to bed hungry. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I mean, when I answered the call, when we, when we moved into our house, there was no chair. No single chair. My dad was saying, oh, I should take plastic chairs from church and later I will return. I said, if you were not the pastor of the church, would you allow me to take plastic chairs? He said, no. I said, so I'm not taking If you come to my house, I will say, sit down. If you are not comfortable, I didn't invite you in the first place. There was not an iota of what would people think. I don't care. You go up north and you see wealthy people, they'll sit on the floor because of religion. You come here, you say you can't sit on the floor. Well, for a moment, just assume I'm a Muslim. Those are periods you have. You know that you are on a course. You know that you are on a course. You know that you are pursuing a mission. You know that you are on purpose. That is what people want to prevent. That's why they cannot fulfill purpose. If I do this, will I have money? It's not about whether you would have money or not. Have you ever wondered, if I don't do this, maybe God doesn't have someone else to do it. Does the things that pain God pain your heart? And I can remember when her salary was she you know, went somewhere, she got a better job. It was fifty thousand? Man, it was breakthrough. It was like we have appeared in our own Forbes list of the richest. And then the Lord said, "We should come here." And when the Lord asked us to come here, He said, "Give everything away." Again, we had to start. We had to start. When we moved to our house in Oriol Security, there, there, was no, there was no chair again. We left everything and we came here. What you see today is a product of absolute obedience to God. If God will use you for His glory, you have to walk in absolute obedience. An impactful life does not come cheap. It comes with sacrifice. If you want to build a business that would employ other people, it will require what? Sacrifice. Except you just want to do a provision store. That when you sit in any stool, you know there are stores like that, when you sit in any stool in the store, you can pick everything from every shelf. Two people don't need to enter the store. You are just okay there. Just stay outside. Just stay outside. What do you want? Pepper. <laughs> Which kind of pepper? Except that's what you want. But if you want to build something that you would have to employ someone, are you hearing what I'm saying? You would have to suffer. This, this suffering thing we are trying to avoid, we should embrace it early. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This thing, I don't want to suffer. No, in life, that's the pathway. That's the pathway to success. That's the pathway to success. Anything tangible you want to build in this life, you would have to put your energy into it. We must not, we must, we must, we, we would be wicked to pass a message to a generation that there's something called sweatless triumph. It does not exist. There are no champions without fights. There are no champions without fights. If you want to make something out of your life, 
If you want to be an impactful person, if you want to be somebody who touches others, I remember the first camp meeting I had. You know, the Sori camp meeting. I was standing in camp meeting, walking with my dad as a youth pastor. And there was about 30 people then. Somebody gave us a bag of rice in January. And I know there was no way, in December, sorry. And I know there was nowhere we would see money to buy rice. I told my wife, don't touch that rice. We are going to use it for camp in April. That rice was like something sacrificed to the gods. There will be time we'll be hungry in the house. I say, leave that bag of rice. And that's what we used for, for, the, for my first camp meeting. Today I do camps all over the place. And people say, ah, grace. I don't see the grace of God. Well. I just, you, you see the grace. You don't see the bag of rice I, I left six months ago. You are seeing grace. Be celebrating grace. I celebrate grace. I celebrate grace. When I did not eat rice and you were eating rice, you don't know that I celebrate grace. That's why when people sometimes meet me and want the grace on your hand, lay hands on me, I'm not very quick to do that. Because that can be deceptive. There is a price to pay if you want to be impactful. If you want to write a novel that will change the world, you have to sit down in your typewriter and type days when you don't feel like typing. That's the price. That's why many people's life not impactful. They are too lazy to pay the price. You want to start a business. You know this is what the business God has put in your heart. The first one year, there's no income. You close it. You move. You are just looking for where there's money. So people don't even know what you are selling now. Say, ah, what is that sister selling? Say, ah, she used to sell oil. Say, no, 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 no. Last year she started selling clothes. Say, no, it's weak she's selling now. Say, just leave her. You don't know what she's selling. So it's people calling you. So what are you selling now? They always put now in front of that question. Because every year you change business. Say, no, we're now selling it. As I told you. You are just looking for money, looking for money, looking for money. And so you cannot, there's nobody who pursues purpose without that period of sacrifice. That period that looks like madness. That period that looks like, is, 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 are you okay? Is everything alright with you? It's like when we're going to school, right? And he said, medicine is eight years. Ah, man, what am I going to do in the hour of eight years? For what now? Waste my time for eight years. So what's the quickest course? Just do three years course, right? Bang, you come out, three years course. And they employ you. Hmm? The doctor comes out after eight years. Maybe he's younger than you. Start working in the hospital. Then they pay them, well, some huge amount. And you're wondering, what is it? The remaining years you refuse to. That's what they are collecting. Don't you know people in school who jumped out of school? Hmm? Want to quickly make money. Want to quickly make money. They avoided that discipline. Because the money they made while they were in school was a bit higher than the rest of the students they felt they had made it. And they jumped out. Hmm? Now, where are they? Say, oh, but Big did not complete school. Did they tell you that Big went to the University of Portacot? Because you have to read the story in context. If, if Big dropped out of school, you now drop out of Delta State University like I did, you know that your life will never be the same again. Because in fact, completing that school has not probably me- measured up to his own 200 level. So what he dropped from is actually a graduate of what you will learn in your final year. So even though he's a dropout, he's more of a graduate than you who has probably a first class here. 
that you only studied mechanical engineering with textbook. They just say that is engine. Is that what was that uh, engine? What's that engine? Is that what engine? Yeah, yeah. You just write engine there. <laughs> A one. You have never seen the engine. You have never touched it. You just know it's engine. There are computer science students who don't know how to save documents. And then you now drop out of that. And you expect one day an anointing will come upon you to govern. Govern who? And govern what? Because this message of favor we teach in Christianity that is not balanced with capacity. We'll talk about capacity next two Sundays. That is not balanced with capacity will just produce people who will go nowhere. We're talking about what? Potential. There is, a, there is an untapped potential on your inside. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is ability on your inside. To do something, to be more, you have to go to work at it. Don't just let yourself that way. Then there is period. There is a time frame for you to do something. I want us to be conscious of that. There is what? A time frame. You see our children, those of us who have children now, there is a time frame where we can pour on those children. Right? By the time they go to university. Hmm? You know, there's a time for some parents. I can't wait for you to leave this house. Ah, hey, I can't wait. <laughs> then they leave. Say, when are you coming? Say, no, I'm not coming. There was a year. <laughs> there was a year. Myself and my dad, we saw, I was going to Kenya to preach. I was going to another, I was going to Athi River in Kenya, Athi Riverside, to preach. He was going to another place. I was using uh, uh, Kenya Airways. He was using Ethiopian Airlines. We met at the airport. We met at the airport. We, I mean, I think that's one of the best pictures. We've ever. We met at the airport. We talked at the airport. That was where we had, that's where we saw ourselves for that year, just at the airport. Because by the time I get into Kenya and I start ministering, and he gets there, we're on different sides of the country. And I remember when I used to say, ah, can't wait to leave the house. Now, the time to even see him. So if he did not pour into me those few years I was with him at home, he would probably never be able to pour into me. Your children will soon leave. So there's a time frame. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I can show you from scripture. And that if we refuse to do what we are to do, God raises people. Esther chapter 4 verse 14. Esther 4 verse 14. Mordecai told Esther, he says, who knows? Who knows if you were born into the kingdom? Come on, for what? For such a time as this. That means, who knows? If you became a queen for the purpose of saving Israel. But you know what? When she became a queen, what would she have thought? God has favored me. Ah! I'm a queen. Queen like no other. I'm not sure she would say slay queen, right? But she's a queen. But behind the covers of history, behind the curtain, why was she a queen? So she can save Israel. Listen, there's nothing you have today that does not have purpose. There's no position you are occupying today that does not have a purpose. 
You can celebrate the job you have. You can celebrate your position. You can celebrate what you have today. But behind the curtains, God is saying there's a reason I gave you that opportunity. There's a reason you were born into that family. There's a reason you are this intelligent. There's a reason you have that influence. It's for the kingdom. Don't be so consumed about your personal life if I'll beg you this morning. There is a greater purpose for your life. There is a greater purpose for your life. Why is God giving you that opportunity? Why did God give you that job? Why did God give you that influence? Why did God put me here to pastor? It's because there is a greater purpose. It's not just because God wants to make me popular or wants to make my name great. No! A thousand times no! If I don't understand the purpose of my position, I would abuse the position. And Mordecai had to be straight and tell her, if you don't help Israel, God will raise salvation from another place. Because God's purpose, remember what we read in the book of Psalm? From generation to generation, what's going to happen? His purpose will be accomplished. Let me tell you, anything that God has ordained for you to do that you refuse to do, someone will be raised up and will do it. That's the truth. If I decide, I don't like this town. No, 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 no. And I decide, I'm not pastoring again. Let me tell you, another pastor will come. The church might even grow faster. There is nobody who has the monopoly to the workings of God in a generation. If there's anything I want to challenge you with, with this first series in this Wisdom for Living series, is to lift up your eyes and see beyond yourself. See beyond where you are. That this world is waiting for your manifestation. That there are things that God is putting in your heart and you need to discipline yourself to get them out. Majority of people live for themselves and immediate family. Anyone who has impacted the world has lived for something greater than themselves. The rich fool in Luke chapter 12, verse 16 to 21. You know the story, right? Luke, Luke chapter 12. Let's read it. Hmm? How can a man be called a rich fool? Luke chapter 12 verse 16 Quickly And and he told the parable saying The land of a rich man was very productive And he began reasoning to himself Saying what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops Then he said this is what I will do I will tear down my bands And build larger ones And there I will store all my grain and my goods And I will say to my soul Soul you have many goods Laid up for many years to come Take your ease Eat Drink and be merry. Come on, how many of you know this is the picture of what we all really want to achieve? Oh, come on, come on, let's be honest. Even me. Who doesn't like this kind of life? Come on now, be honest. Huh? Where you just say, ah, what will I do? Invest in some gold, invest in silver. Take ease. Just relax. Let's see God's reply. But God said to him, you fool. Do you realize there are very, very few people God called fool directly in the scriptures? Very few people. That's not the language God uses all the time. What is the perfect picture of the life we are all desiring? God looks at the man and says, you fool. And this is the picture of financial freedom in our books. All our investment books, Abby. Invest so you retire, so you be at ease and merry and don't be stressing yourself because we have a warped consciousness of what work is. Hmm? God says, You fool, 
this very night, your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? Have we always asked ourselves this question? Huh? All these things that we are laboring for. Have you asked yourself that when your soul is taken, that last line, always ask yourself, who will own what you have prepared for? Especially in a culture like ours, where there are scavengers waiting around. You say, ah, uncle is dead. He said, are you sure? Say yes. You say, have you collected the certificate? Say yes. Before he died, he told me that this air condition. I mean, people, people, you know, there are people in the mortuary today. All what is keeping them in the mortuary is that they have not decided how their properties will be will, will be divided. Because there are people here who we own. Because there are people waiting for you to die, to own. And you are alive, laboring to give them to own. Yeah. We have to tell ourselves the truth. That's the truth. That's why people die without even telling where their things are. Some people have hidden things, hidden things, hidden things. Until the bank is now calling people. Don't you know your father had this money? Hid it from himself. It's all vanity. God required the soul. <laughs> and says, so is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. What does it mean to be rich towards God? Fulfill your purpose. God does not have a problem with wealth. He only has a problem with people who are not focused on why they are here. Do you think God had a problem with Esther being queen? No. What was the problem God had? Not helping to save Israel. Do you think God had a problem with Joseph being a prime minister? No. But why was Joseph a prime minister? Come on, who can remember why? To save Israel from hunger. He says, what you said for evil, God turned it around for good. And he sent me ahead to save you. What I'm trying to tell you is the position you are today. Listen, and I, I'm very careful with the words I'm saying. It is not just for your family. It is bigger than that. It's for the kingdom. Because that's another thing. Where we are so family conscious. My family, my family. We don't look ahead. We don't look further. We don't know. Listen, there are orphans in this world whose destiny is connected to your prosperity. They might not bear your name, but God is raising you up so they can, you can become a father to the fatherless. There are widows. There are pastors who, would, who should do ministry without ease because God had blessed you. It's your, it's your assignment. It's your call. I think it was 2019, we went to Oral Roberts University in, 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 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they were telling us. Some of you have heard, um, I think, the story of Hobby Lobby, David Green. Uh, that's the, 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 the guy's name. And what happened? Some things happened, and there's, there's, there's some wealthy people wanted to buy off Oral Roberts University so that it would no longer be a Christian university. And this man came and paid off the debts of Oral Roberts University so that they can remain a Christian university. That's purpose. That's purpose. Imagine all the labor where Robert used in founding that university. And now come and be teaching that God is not creator. 
What about if that man did not have that business and did not have that money? Why are you stuck with your limited concept of just living for yourself and your family when God has a bigger purpose for you? The rich fool is what society describes as financial freedom. God is not impressed with our status, with our degrees, with our employment history, with our titles, with our education. He's more concerned about what we live for. Enoch walked with God. Daniel built God an ark. The Hebrew, uh, da- uh, Noah built God an ark. Daniel stood for God in Babylon. He brought the, the true worship of Yahweh back. Look at our society. Hmm? And I, want to be, I, 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 and I want to say this because I've been, I've been speaking to my wife about it and we need to watch it. You know, gradually, gradually, you see guys dressing like ladies and doing skits. Right? How many of you have started seeing videos like that? Hmm? Guys dressing like ladies and doing skits and doing comedy. We're laughing. That's how our, our conscience is desensitized against lesbianism and gay culture. That's how it starts. It's funny. A guy will wear gun, put breasts, put butt, and dance. And we will like, we will share. Gradually, it will become normal. Yeah. That's how it starts. That's how it starts. That's how it starts. You think the enemy is sleeping, right? You think the devil is just cool. No. <laughs> no. I mean, if the devil is walking to and fro the earth, the man is working with a purpose. Seeking for who to destroy. We have to be big on these things. We have to be big on these things. I told my wife, I said, I'm going back to, to doing camp meetings, but I want to start with those in secondary school again. Start with, with things. Start doing camp meetings with teenagers again. Because listen, we can't just do this thing just preaching Sunday and Wednesday in the four walls of our church and expect to change the world. There is a burden in my heart for a generation to arise that passionately bonds after God. These things are not just going to be five minutes morning devotion before those children go to class. There is a society right in front of us rushing to hell in their numbers without joy. And some of us are even pushing them in, liking it. All kinds of things. And God wants us to change the world. Right? Four things that you, did, you, you need to be able to live an impactful life. And then I'll give you two stories of two people and then we can close. Come on, is, some, is something staring in your spirit this morning? I'd like you to be, to be passionate about living a life that makes a difference. Desire. Desire. The first thing is a desire to be different. The first thing is a desire to be impactful. The first thing is a desire that I will not settle for less. That desire. It will shape your choices. It will shape your choices. You know, sometimes I ask me, you know, encourage this person. I don't know, how do you people always require encouragement? Hi. When I was in school, when I was in school, uh, in university, early days, uh, 2000, 
some of you in Winners, you used to know, if you remember, Bishop used to publish something called Winners World. I don't know if you know that magazine. White, big. Huh? It used to be sold 15 era. <laughs> that 15 era, I would save it like three times. Then, my whole allowance to school that week was just maybe 1,005 or something. We would go and then they had one major winners in Wari then and then other branches. But then that winners world, the copies, limited copies used to come to the branches in Abaka. We would send that money so that they would reserve a copy for us. Right? Immediately comes out. We would spend days reading that magazine. Reading, reading, reading. That's desire. That's why I don't give my books free. I used to, I don't anymore. If you don't have money to buy them, leave them there. Because I just realized there are people who will spend money for everything. Here, yeah, they will spend money. You know, when I do camp meeting with young people, ah, we don't have money to register. We don't have money to register. No problem. We'll come for free. We'll pay your transport. Ah, you, we are waiting for you. The bus is waiting. Where are you? They, they just want to wrap up the hair now. That person who does not have money for camp meeting has been doing hair consistently for three days. The first day, they finished here. The second day, they finished here. The third day, the day of resurrection, on our way to camp, then on the way to camp, they are buying gala, they are buying the ice cream, they are buying this. In camp, they say, oh, we are eating two times a day in camp. They, they have bought bread and milk. And, and you ask yourself, ah, where is all this money from? It's not that they didn't have money to register. There's no desire. So when you mention camp meeting, the first thing they say, I cannot go with this hair. I can't go with this hair. In 2001, Winning Ways, I heard Robert Kayanja was coming. Dr. Mensah Altabe, that was the first time he taught the value of a dot. And all those guys. I needed to be in that meeting. I needed to be in that meeting. I went to that meeting. I could not even pay my transport. One of my friends helped me pay my transport. There was nothing like eating. I had my notes. They will finish morning section. People will go and eat. I will be in the, in the, in the place. Meditating over what was taught, reading what was taught. For the four days of that conference. Since without desire you can't be impactful. I heard Reverend Nicola was shot taught on the seven separations of Abraham. I was a youth copper in Zamfara then. They paid us our allowance, ten thousand naira, thereabouts. I took all the money and traveled to Kano. Located the church. And bought 60 tapes of his. 60 tapes. In fact, they were surprised that a youth couple would come and do that. So one of the pastors kept me. They, they dubbed those tapes over a period of two, three days in Kano. I didn't know anybody. I, there was nothing like, where were you going to sleep? I was just going for those messages. Came back and feasted on those tapes daily. That's why I got a very clear cut call to ministry. The desire. They give you a book. You have forgotten the title. You say, which book are you reading? I say, ah, I've forgotten. Okay, which chapter are you? You have forgotten. What are you reading? Hmm? And yet you want to change the world. With what? With what? Every day, Lord send my destiny helper. Lord send my destiny helper. To do what now exactly? Because our concept of destiny helper is somebody will just call you and say, What do you want to do? I want to sell cars. Take six million and go and sell cars. That's our concept. We need to stop that. That's our concept. 
That's why if you call the average person and say, come, how much do you need to start this business? You will be surprised. They will give you an amount that you that want to help them have not seen. You say, give or take, uh, give or take, maybe we are looking at 25 to 30 million. You don't ask yourself that. Even you that want to help him. Have you seen? Because people live in this fairy tale movie world. That's not real. Young man came to me many years ago. He says I should be his mentor. So he came. He said he has a business plan. He wants me to pray and agree with him. I was just starting ministry then. I, what's the business plan? 1.2 million. I told him, say, I said, listen, my grandfather, my father and myself, we have not seen 1 million once. I, I can't mentor you. A man cannot give what he does not have. Even then, I was believing for 10,000. I should now mentor you to do business of 1 million. As we are speaking to you today, he's still looking for that money. Because that's not how life works. The scripture says, despise not the days of little beginning. That's the approach of an impactful man. I'm starting here, but I won't end here. Are you following what I'm saying? So, there must be a desire. That desire is what will keep you motivated. And the next thing is determination. That means, first of all, you have the desire... And there was the second thing, you are determined. You are determined. And this will happen. I'll make this happen. I'll make this happen. You are determined. Your parents are able to send you to school. Go to school with a desire to be the best. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why, I, I, well, people might differ, but all these things, they say they don't give position in class. They don't give position. Nobody's door. We are put position there. Let everybody know where they are. We are 10 here. Somebody must be on top. There's, there's, somebody must be first. You see, you know, psychological, there's nothing. Put it there so that you, when you are last, you can tell yourself, I want to be first. Just make it simple. Don't all this psychology here and there. Yeah, some people are yeah, some people are verbal learners. Some are this. Put it there. Put it there. Put it there. So we we, we are ten here. Somebody must lead. All this thing of trying to make everybody think because sometimes it is that stretch. You don't see. You don't know what you have until you face certain circumstances. If they leave you like that, your potential will remain untapped. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. I keep telling my son, he comes back, I say average, average. I say this average has not changed in the last years. If you were first, second, we will know position. Average, average, they leave this thing. There are ten people. One must be first, one must be ten. Find yourself in the line. It's a cue. Life does not have neutral. It's either you are there or here. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, you see, I'm not a psychologist, but that's why I discovered that we now have a society that does not receive feedback. You can't look at someone and say, this thing you are doing is not right. Say, no, don't judge me. It might not be right in your eyes. It is right in my eyes. If you write, I mean, and I say that, and I say that thing that people do there, right? They will draw nine. They will draw six. Say, if you stand here, what are you seeing? I'm seeing six. If you stand here, what are you seeing? I'm seeing nine. It's a lie. That thing must either be nine or six. Somebody's wrong. One thing cannot be nine or six. It is either the original creator decided that this, listen, if I say this is number six and you see it as nine, you are wrong. It's not what you see, it's what I desire that that thing is. And that's the problem. 
We all want to live life at our terms. God has a plan. So it can't be six or nine. It is six or nine. And if it is nine, everybody that sees it as six is wrong. That's why we don't take feedback. Because we are living in a society where if it is okay with you, do it. And that's what destroyed the Western world. It will shock you to know that England (laughs) was the seat of Christianity. Go and read about the Wales Revival. Go and read about John Wesley and all those people who God used to shake England and to bring the gospel to us. Today, we are more spiritual than them. Why? This same liberal approach to life. Have a child. Say, oh no, don't discipline the child because the child might think you are verbally abusing the child. Okay? So you have a child. You are talking to the child. The child is talking back to you. Say, no, you can explain yourself. I'm hearing you. Yeah, explain clearly. I'm not understanding you. Say, explain. The child keeps explaining. Okay, no, you can explain it. No problem. You don't want to... You don't, no, no problem. No problem. Goes to work. The boss is talking. He's explaining. The boss is talking. He's explaining. No problem. When they're they renewing contract, you say, drop the name. Say, you say, why? You say, no problem. I know why. Just drop the name. Yeah, because you can't explain. Keep explaining. That's why nobody can talk to your children anymore. Nobody can. You see, because we have to reevaluate when we had a culture where any adult could correct your children, they would do things in the presence of others that they would not do in your presence, and then they would bring them and caution them. You flood your child in school, you would hold your child because you are the ultimate warrior. Straight and march. I know what I suffered nine months to give birth to this child. Not a problem. Not a problem. Since other people were giving birth to in three months and you only did nine months. Well done. And you see, we, we allow these things to creep in and they affect our perception of life. So you see, everything is so about us, we are not even concerned about other people's children. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you see a child on drugs. What do you say? Ah, thank God for my child. Ah, I know my child will never do this. Father, you are faithful. That's how you think. And God is saying, you know what? You have a responsibility to make sure that other children don't get into drugs. You are now, what is happening? You are now living bigger than what? Than yourself. You're no longer pointing fingers at society. You're becoming a solution to society. If, if only your children are good and all our children are bad, what have you gained? So your good children live in the midst of our bad ones. Eh? You know that what will now happen later is that we will now become your prayer points. Father, as they are going, let those bad children of pastor not see them. Now, now, you, you will now begin to pray about us. Now, it, it becomes a burden. Because see, society was given to us collectively to make a better place. Because we are the light of the world. That's how Christians should think. The next thing is discipline. Discipline. So you, are, you have a desire, and then you are determined to go with that desire. And then the next thing is what? You are disciplined. Hmm? Without discipline, no desire comes into manifestation. Oh, I desire to build a, a big business. You're determined about it. What now happens? You, you're disciplined. You start your business. You separate what goes into your business and what comes to you. Discipline, 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 discipline. 
You wake up to read when you need to read. You wake up to study when you need to study. You put in the work. You put in the work. Discipline. I, I, I say it all the time. We are blessed in Bonnie Island here to be able to have light as much as we have light. They shouldn't encourage you to read. Go to other places. And that's why most of you are on social media because you always have light and you, have, uh, you are not paying for light. Your battery is always charged. If you were staying out there and you haven't paid light, you haven't charged battery for two, will you be on Facebook? Yeah, we are privileged here. Yeah, I mean, uh, do you understand it? We have light. You can study. You can do online courses. We are privileged. You can either decide, oh, we need more privileges, or you can decide, with this privilege I have, I will build something. You can, run, you can literally run a barber's shop on this island without buying a generator. And you are still poor. And people outside, in Port and in other places, are running barber shops and building homes. You are here, crossing your leg, playing, playing bets, sports bets. And you have power, which is the, the number one ingredient for any successful business. Almost free. They will even give you free token. That's why we are where we are. No, that's why we are where we are. That's why we are where we are. Because it is learned helplessness. You come to a place where you think the world owes you everything. Say the token is not enough. It's our right. No problem. No, no problem. No problem. Go and, go and read books. They call it the course of oil. And everywhere oil has been discovered. Go and read the society there. We're not talking about corporate social responsibility now. We're talking about the individuals taking advantage of that to become better. Look at our nation. Look at our nation. With the, with the resources we have, with the resources this country has, look at the level of indiscipline at every level, from religious to educational. Zero. Indiscipline everywhere. Nobody's checking anybody. Look at where we are. Even when we go to places and they say queue up, you say it's not, it's not serious, this is Nigeria. Even you will say that. Because indiscipline has so become, so become part of us that when somebody is disciplined, he looks like he's doing too much. Have you heard that? Yeah. Somebody's trying to speak well, say it's not by phonetics. It's not phonetics. It's not correct English. Because the local government chairman is a tout who became a local government chairman and didn't go to school. You say the chairman go to school. You say yeah, it's not English. Yeah, and by that, you now subject yourself to a level of mediocrity. Because if you judge yourself by the standards of mediocrity, you will never rise to excellence. So it's not what does the society accept. What is the global accepted standard for your job, for your ministry, for what you do? So you have to discipline yourself to the demands of that standard. And then there's dedication. So you give yourself to it. Many people's life end in just desire and there's no determination or follow-up. I'll tell you the story of two people and I'll close. Mary Slessor, she was called the Queen of Okeong. Right? Her father was a shoemaker. She was born in 1848. Scottish girl, missionary, came to Calabar. 
and began to adopt the twins that were being killed. And by her life, she changed the narrative. Do you think that lady could not have lived a better life in England? She could have. Some of you are twins today. You are alive because she lived. You would have been killed. Yeah. You, 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 you have to think that way that I would have been dead. And what would have caused your death just because you're a twin? And of course, we understand biologically what gives, what results in twin. But then, at that time, they thought it was a curse from the gods. But one woman decided. She didn't think about marriage. She didn't think about children. I'm not saying you should not marry because you just want to push in after you have married. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just telling you that if we want to change history, there are sacrifices to it. Right? She came to Calabar. She was called the Queen of Okeong. Stayed there where male missionaries were actually killed. She served. If they remove your makeup, if they remove your wig, what else? What are you living for? Hmm? They remove your table, your table of mixture. They roll away, you know, where you, you, you lay foundation and build upstairs. If they roll it, if they roll that table away and they say, okay, tell us something else, what else? Hmm? Or they remove your swag and your jeans and your gushy for our guys. Eh? They say, take all these jeans away. Say, give us substance. What else do you have apart from this? Lastly, William Wilberforce. He was born in 1759. He was in the British Parliament from 1780 to about 1825. And he stopped the, uh, the, the abolition. Of, he, he moved for the abolition of slave trade. He was fundamental. The guy was a believer. I'm talking about Christians. So I'm not talking about... I didn't want to just use pastors. So that you don't see it from... I'm saying everybody should go into ministry. Through his life, slave trade was stopped in the parliament. He gave two quotes. He says, great indeed are opportunities. Great is also our responsibility. Great is our opportunities. And great is what? Our responsibilities. You may choose to look the other way, but you can never say again that you did not know. We have train seven coming up on this island. It will be a time of prosperity. It will be a time of increase. We also know sometimes it can be a time for other things. What are we going to do about it? There are teenagers in our streets. What are we going to do about our society? There are young men that need modeling. What would you give up to live an impactful life? What would you give up? What disciplines would you put on yourself to live an impactful life? If all is said and done, what are we going to write about you? He bought good cars. He had a good house. He had tall and handsome children. Will that be all? What would your life be worth when your days on earth is over? What would you meet God with? Would you be able to stand before God and say, you know what God, your purpose for my life, I accomplished it. I want us to pray this morning. That God will cause us. God will help every one of us. Every one of us. Every single one of us. God will help us to fulfill His assignment for our lives. Can we just pray? Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we yield to you this morning.
We yield to you. We pray by your spirit and by your grace that you would help us. We want to live an impactful life. We want to live a life that would change men. We want to live beyond ourselves. We want to pour ourselves into the life of men so we can partner with you to change history. I pray that you would help us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'd like you to take a hold of this message. We'll continue every Sunday with wisdom for living along these lines of impact-driven life. And I believe that God will use these messages to shape us. It's our time to give. And I want to appreciate those of you who give consistently and generously. Through your giving, we're able to reach out to people, bless lives, pay salaries, get the place running, and open the door for increase. So I want to encourage you this morning to give generously to the Lord your tithe, your offerings, and your seed. And I believe that the grace of prosperity will rest upon us. In the name of Jesus. Let's have the accounts up. And then, uh, Father, we thank you for everyone who is given this morning. Thank you for everyone who has given. Those who give consistently. And just give of their substance. We worship you with our offerings, O oh God. And we ask, O oh God, that as they give, the spirit of prosperity will rest upon them. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your generosity. Keep giving. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.